Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, we're podcasting again. So excited for today's guest. Does every podcast host say that all the time? <laughs> Krista, I'm so excited you're here today. Today's guest is... Excited <laughs> to be here, Amanda. I know, right? Which is the other thing. Every podcast guest says I'm so excited to be here. But it actually is true. We're not just saying that. Like every episode we get to participate in is something to be so excited about. And I'm... right. I'm pumped to have you here. Um, you are a guest that I've thought about having for a long time and not fully understood how your work and my work move and blend together. And of course, they move together in the concept and the, um, the work around grief. So Krista St. Germain, I will let you introduce yourself, but... Um, we are trained through the Life Coach School. Um, Krista's work evolved like a fair amount before mine. She's very well established in her work. I consider her a grief expert. Um, probably not the thing you thought you would become when you were a 20-year-old woman, huh? <laughs> That's an understatement. That's totally an understatement. I did not see it coming. Yeah, I got launched into this work because, you know, like many people, I had my own, um, my own experience with loss, and it wasn't something I saw coming at all. Um, my husband was, was um, on a trip with me. We were coming back from the trip, and stopped to change a flat tire and he was hit by a driver who had later we found out meth and alcohol in his system and you know within a day he was gone and so it just you know as loss does just shook me to my complete core and um and that's that's what got me here so you know therapy very helpful in terms of being able to tell my story and process what happened and get back to functioning but life coaching is what helped me actually love my life again and decide who I wanted to be after that loss. Yeah. Right. And I, and so it was so powerful for me that, that I, there's like no way I, I couldn't not do the work with other people. So that's what I do. So I'm a master certified coach, you know, same, same as you with the the life coach school. And it's just my passion to help people figure out what do they want to do? in life after a grief experience. And so specifically, I do work with widowed moms. That's where I spend most of my time. Thank you for doing that work. I can't Uh, imagine life without it. You know, it's like I couldn't ever have imagined it. It's the strangest thing I would have never thought. It's amazing. I mean, my history is in women's health. I'm a women's health, like that was my bachelor's degree. I went into midwifery school. I was a doula, so labor and birth support. And abortion was sort of the off-topic thing I never talked about, but always supported, you know, like I'm pro-choice, mm-hmm. whatever that means. But we don't, I don't really talk about it. I don't need to learn about it. I don't need to know anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And life um, thrust me into it. And so I experienced a different 
flavor of grief than you did. Um, And that is what I feel most called to talk to you about today. If you're up for the conversation is what does that even mean? Like your grief was different than my grief. I mean, even as we sit here talking, knowing what I know, knowing the truth that I know about grief as a coach, I'm literally sitting here thinking, but her grief was worse than my grief. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I know this, like, I know this truth, but I'm still here like, oh, but your grief is so much more important and bigger than mine. Mm -hmm. And so I want to be really honest about that. Like, and that is what is happening for so many of my listeners is facing their own grief becomes a really complicated thing because there's so much comparison happening. Yeah, and I see it. Yeah, and I know you probably see that even in your own niche, right? Widowed mom grief is not like one flavor. No, it's not. And you know, and I'm niche down pretty hard, right? I mean, widows and moms, we have a lot in common. But oh my gosh, the comparison that I see and it's so unuseful and it causes so much suffering. Yeah, right, which is that okay? That. <laughs> yeah, like so. I I watch my clients and they will compare, um, you know, those that had a, a long drawn out illness, yeah, versus those who you know, like my husband died in an accident relatively quickly. The amount of time they were married, yeah, you know, and you can you can find truth in both sides of the coin, but they will say, "Well, it was so much worse for me because." you know, it drew, it was drawn out so long versus, you know, your husband only suffered for, you know, a shorter amount of time. But then the flip side of that coin is yes, but you got so much time. You got to say goodbye. I didn't. Right. There's a flip side, you know, you didn't have kids. We did. We're so lucky that you had kids. It's so difficult for me because I have kids. Yes. Right, every Talk every to little me thing. about why our human brains do that. Like we know we can look at it from an outside perspective and say that's ridiculous. Like comparison doesn't make any sense. It's apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. But our human brains do it. Like why do we mm-hmm. do that? Why? <laughs> what is that? I, it it kind of it kind of does make sense. I think when we understand like the emotional scale. Right, because I, I like to just teach that, I don't know where, where you are on this, but I, I believe that emotions are, you know, vi- they're vibrations, right? I think yes. we're probably aligned there. And, and if we could kind of stack them up, highest vibration to lowest vibration, we would see like ecstasy at the top and despair at the bottom. And there's, there are some emotions that even though they're not particularly pleasant, they're higher than <laughs> some totally. of the others, right? So I believe that we, we, we like to have somewhere to go that even though it doesn't feel good, feels better than some of those lower vibration emotions. So it's accepting that just bad things happen, like accepting and having kind of the rug pulled out from under some of those most fundamental beliefs is more challenging to us and feels worse to us than being able to assign blame right? And compare and despair. And so it still doesn't feel good, but I think it makes sense that we would kind of want to distract ourselves from the, this whole, like, what are you talking about? Bad things just happen. You know, I did all the things right. 
this is not where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And it's just harder to, to come to that. So it's easier to compare and despair. And that also feels bad. Yeah. Um, I, I recorded, I don't know what order these will go out. So this always sounds funny when you're listening to a podcast, but I'm going to say it anyway. I recorded with Maggie Reyes yesterday. Oh, I talked about relationships and, um, yeah. It, it, and we kind of talked about some of these same things and um, moving up and down that scale and the comparison. I said, do you see, I see anger as one of the most co- blame and anger, but mm-hmm. anger as one of the more common, like what's really happening under there is grief, but it looks yeah. like anger. Yeah. So with well, Maggie, way- it was like blame. We talked a lot about blame because we were talking yeah. about relationships. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The way that I see it, kind of how I like to conceptualize grief, is it's just a person's thoughts and feelings about a perceived loss. Okay. Let's just say that again. Grief is a person's thoughts and feelings mm-hmm. about a perceived about loss. About a perceived loss. So whether we're talking about abortion. <clears throat> meaning loss of that pregnancy, loss of the person you were before that pregnancy, or we're talking about losing a husband or a partner. It's all, it's all loss. Yeah. It's all thoughts and feelings about a perceived loss. Anger is anger. Joy is joy. Grief (laughs) is grief. Doesn't matter what led you there. It's the same vibration. This is that like what you were talking about, the vibration. 100%. Right? And if we, <laughs> if we can kind of see that lens, that, that grief is just thoughts and feelings about a perceived loss, then we can normalize all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so much of what causes suffering is the judgment of what we're experiencing. Yes. And when we can just settle into, oh, everybody's experience is different because everybody has different thoughts and feelings. And thoughts aren't morally right or wrong. They're not good or bad, but they do create different feelings. So we're all out there thinking different thoughts about our loss. And that's why we're having different emotional experiences of it. And we just accepted that as part of the humanness, part of our human, you know, life and stop judging it so much, then all the emotions become okay all the yes. thoughts become okay and we stop arguing so much with yes. ourselves in our past absolutely so you said something earlier that i want to jump back to because i know some of my listeners heard it and were like yeah but mm-hmm. and you said bad things happen yeah and i think the yeah but in my listenership if that's even a word, is, but I did this. Mm-hmm. I, I made this grief, like I am responsible for the grief that I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you have to say to those listeners? Well, that's, we can always make that argument about anything. Let's right? My brain, my that. brain made that argument about my husband's accident, right? So I didn't pull up far enough on the highway. I didn't insist we called AAA. I knew there was danger. I should have absolutely insisted and said, no, you will not change this tire. I see the danger. I should have had my car serviced beforehand because I knew I was having trouble with that tire. Yeah. Yeah. And this comes back to, it's just human nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like if we, yeah. 
Yeah, it is just human nature to blame ourselves again, back to that. But then also, here's the other thing. This is the way I, I like to think about it. Okay, yes, I did pull up in that place on the highway, right? And, and your listeners did choose to have a procedure done, okay? So it, based in the framework that we teach, right, our feelings drive us to do things, and our thoughts create those feelings. So we have a thought, creates a feeling, and the feeling fuels the action. Once we understand the pattern of why we did what we did, we can either use that as a weapon against ourselves, mm -hmm. or we can use that as an opportunity to have some compassion. We can use that as an opportunity mm -hmm. to understand why. And I think what, what we need to, what we are best served to do is to go back and understand why did I take that action? Through the lens of we are all humans on the planet doing the best job we can with what we know and I don't believe there are exceptions to that, including the man who caused the accident. Mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't have meth and alcohol in your system on a Sunday afternoon when your life is going well, right? Like that's a person yeah. who, oh, and, I, wow. and I'm not saying I, I, I wish for that or I excuse it or I didn't want him to, to you know, face the consequences by the law, but that's the action he took and the, and the reason that he took it had to do with his thoughts, right? What, how he was seeing his life. And if I can go back and see, he was doing the best job he could with what he knew. And on that day, that involved meth and alcohol and a car. Do I love it? No. But it was his best. Why did your listeners make the choice they did? Because it was the best they knew how to do at the time. Right? They were, they were not waking up every day thinking, you know what? Today, I just want to suck at life. I just want to like, fail no, <laughs> you sure like, they were do that. <laughs> I know. Right. I, did. I had an Instagram post yesterday that was like, abortion was not the game plan. <laughs> it right. wasn't like, let me set a goal by 2021. Yeah. I'm going to have an abortion. Yeah. 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 No. And I wasn't like, you know, I think I'm going to put us in a precarious position today where possibly we could be in an accident. Yeah. Let's die. just see. Like, yeah. Can we go back and just look see at if why I we did what it. we did? Yeah. Can we have some compassion yeah. for, for why we did it and, and yeah. know that at the time it was the best we could, we, we were, we always are doing our best. And why do we live that way and then look back and, and see it a different way? Why do we yeah. look back and then assume that we did it wrong? Like it's just, so it's so unfair to ourselves. Yeah. yeah. I wrote down the question, do I want to use this as a weapon or an opportunity? Yeah. Yeah. And that is everything in our life, right? I mean, that is even this pandemic, right? That is 2020. <laughs> that is 2020. Is 2020 <laughs> attacking us or is it inviting us? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And like I see there's, there's kind of always the opportunity to, we tend to just be very black and white. I think most of us in our approach. My and we kind of are very black and white. Yeah, like can right we, or wrong? Can we, can we be? Can we allow some gray? Like it's not. You know, I I can only feel one way. I can only think one way. It's it's not that it has to be easy or hard, right? Can it be hard and like? Can it be painful and? Can yeah. we? Can we make room for all of it? And make peace with all of it instead of just trying to force ourselves in these little black and white molds of thoughts and molds of what we should be feeling and shouldn't be feeling and you know back to your compare and despair like 
can we just let it be hard for everybody? Right. And just love ourselves when it's hard. Yeah. What if we just gave everyone permission to grieve? Hello. No matter the loss. Yeah. No matter the loss. Do you remember that point in your journey where it went from just like a hundred percent deep grief to okay, now there's some new feelings coming in. Like I'm imagining 100% deep grief is like, it's the black, right? I don't know. It's like the one side of the scale where you're just so in it, you can't really see the gray. Mm -hmm. And then do you remember like transitioning into that gray? So like like, where there were, when you say gray, does it kind of mean like more emotions that weren't so... Yeah, like when our emotions started coming in. Mm-hmm. When you start, like a good example is the compassion. And I don't know if you use that word. I'm putting that word in your mouth, but almost the mm-hmm. compassion. Wait a second, that driver was doing his best. I don't know if you call that compassion, but sort mm-hmm. of like the, you know, there was a point in your grieving, I would assume, where you didn't. You were not in that gray zone. Like it was all, or maybe I'm wrong. I don't no, know. No, it's like, such an interesting question because I don't know. I don't know. I mean, everybody reacts differently and responds differently. And so I, I you know, there's no right and wrong there. But for me, um, I think it happened faster than maybe it does for other people. So, yeah. you know, we, we were in the hospital and- they had come to tell me in the, in the ICU, they come to tell me, you know, we don't know what's wrong. His, his heart has, has stopped and, and, you know, we're trying to figure it out. And, and so then I watched them do CPR for like an eternity and, and then, you know, he, he didn't make it. And then they came into the ICU and the, 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 like the waiting room and the, the attending physician who was just, you know, he's very well respected, very, very highly thought of in our community and I have all these, you know, relatives that are health professionals. And he basically said, he started crying in front of me. And he's like, you know, I'm so sorry, something went wrong. And basically a, a resident had tried a procedure that has some known risks to it. It didn't go well and the, and the attending couldn't make it right. And so he just felt so bad, mm. so bad. He, I could, I mean, it was just, you could just tell he was shredded. And he had worked so hard and I watched him work so hard, you know, to try and save Hugo. And, 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 and one of my family members in the room says, so basically what you're saying is you killed her husband. Like that's her reaction, right? Like she's just instantly furious. Yeah. And for me, I, I didn't feel that. Like I felt a genuine, I felt compassion in that moment. I could tell that he had tried and I, and I realized that he was human and I, you know, so, and I, I, from the very beginning had this like Mm. mix where I could kind of see myself like it was intense pain and suffering and loss. So there was that, but then also like this gratitude for, you know, the, the staff and the hospital and how amazing they were. And then this compassion for, you know, what had happened to him. And so it was just, it was all the things from the beginning for me, Mm -hmm. It, it was never really like, the tunnel vision that some people experience. Yeah. I think you're actually speaking to what more of my listeners feel. Yeah. For them, it's like grief and relief. 
Yeah. Have such yeah. like the most commonly reported feeling after an abortion is relief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like number one over and over and over again. Yeah. And then do they go and shame themselves for and it? And then they go and they're like, where's the grief coming from? I must have done something wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I shouldn't I think, be feeling relief. Yeah. The journey you're speaking to is actually much more common and it mm-hmm. was certainly mine. Definitely mm-hmm. mine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you remember a point? where you were like, I'm allowed to feel grief and hope at the same time. Or like, I'm allowed to grieve what I lost and now see what's possible at the same time. Hope has always been something that I have connected with on a deep level. Mm. It's, it's always been a, a word for me that has had significance in my life. It's, you know, a, in a, sorority that that, that's like this you know symbol of our sorority is is the anchor which is a symbol of hope have a tattoo (laughs) yeah so that's funny because it's not a word I usually use like I almost never use the word hope but it was what I wrote down so I wrote it down for you I guess that's that that is fascinating (laughs) that that came to you yeah it's 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 always been I mean I don't I think there's sometimes hope can hold us back sometimes what we need is action but but I, I always believe there's the opportunity to see that, it, you know, that, that hope is there. And so I don't know that I, I know a lot of people lose it. I don't think I ever did. Mm, amazing. I don't think I ever did. I think I ever yeah. did. Yeah. I also well, lost though, the, the camp that we were coming back from when the accident happened was something that we created in memory of a, a sorority sister who was murdered. Uh-huh. And so even though that loss was nothing like the loss of my husband, uh-huh. I already had experience of taking something horrible Yeah, wow. and deciding what to do with it on purpose. And I mean, you know, we were coming up on, we just hit our 20 years with that camp of, you know, all the kids that we've served it's for kids who are blind or visually impaired. And Oh, I have full body chills right now. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So knowing that, you know, it, 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 it's always a matter of things. There are things in life and, and when they're in their, our, our past, we, we no longer can change them. And so it's always about deciding, okay, who do I want to be? What do I want to create? Yeah. Ugh. end podcast. And I, who do I want to be? <laughs> what do I want to create? I mean, it is. Yeah the journey of life, right? It is. Yeah. How do you, can I ask you a question I wouldn't have anticipated asking, but um, who do I want to be? What do I want to create? How do you have that conversation with your children who lost their father? Like, well, for starters, it's just for clarification, their stepfather, <coughs> their <Okay>. biological, <clears throat> pardon me, biological father's still living. Um, you know, I believe so much in that philosophy. I don't know that it, it's intentional conversations as much as it is just role modeling it on a regular basis yes. of, okay, that happened. Now, what are we going to do? Okay. Your teacher yeah, graded that yeah. test unfairly. Right. <laughs> now who are you going to be? Yeah. 
right? Yep. So it just kind of comes out in all the conversations we have. And it's just constantly being able to tell the difference between what we can control and what we can't, and then making a decision. Yeah. I teach with my clients. I like this idea of <clears throat> there's like two circles and it really can be this simple. If you know which circle you're in, that's the first step. And then you get back in the, the inner circle if you're in the outer circle. It's as simple as that, right? So like if you, if you imagine a circle mm -hmm. and inside of it is everything you care about, mm. right? All the things that you care about. Then a subset, a smaller circle within the big circle is everything you can influence, mm. right? That smaller circle, yeah, so you've got a big circle yeah. on the outside, yeah. that's 100% of everything you care about, and yep. a smaller subset is things you care about, but you can actually mm -hmm. influence. Mm -hmm. There are many things in life that we have thoughts about, that we care about, that we can't actually control. Like right now, a lot of us are thinking about the election. Right. There's only so much we can do. Yes. Right? We can't just like snap our fingers and, and our candidate wins. And so the space between that inner circle where we can control and that outer circle where we can't is an important space to understand because if we start putting a lot of our energy there, then the inside circle shrinks, mm. right? Because when we try to focus on what we care about, but what we can't control, like what's in our past, mm -hmm. then we're less able to influence what we actually do have the the capability to, to influence, which is our present and our future. Yeah. And so if we can recognize, oh, look at me trying to control or change something I can't, my past, something mm. else somebody else said, mm -hmm. right? It maybe for, for your group, it's like incessantly thinking I shouldn't be feeling the way that I actually am feeling, which PS is, is in the past now right? Or judging myself for the past or, mm -hmm. you know, thinking a lot about my, my decision, whatever, then it's energy we can't apply to creating the life we want, which is that inner circle. So if, if all we ever did was just say, okay, am I in the outside circle where I'm trying to control something I can't? Or am I in the inside circle where I'm applying my energy to actually what I can influence? Mm. And if I'm in the outside circle, my only job is to get back in. Is to get back in the inside circle. Like, well, you did a much better job at explaining this than I did. I, I had this conversation with a client last night. I did a good job explaining it. It was an amazing conversation. <laughs> I like this added visual. <laughs> That's a like, way to think about it. Now I'm going to use your added visual. That is yeah. beautiful. How yeah, do and I, I get think back it, to the inner circle? Yeah. And then we just model that for, Beautiful. you know, model, I model that for my kids. Yeah. And I, thank you for bringing it back to the kids. Um, because this is very much, I, I believe, and I have not fully found the expression of, but I very much believe that part of my work is how do we model our abortion experience because regardless of the outcome of the election regardless of our supreme court judges women will always have abortions this is this is 100% truth just like husbands will always die it's yes. just going to happen we can't control that yes 
So how do we model our experience? How do we tell our story for the generations that follow us? And mm. for me with abortion, that is how we break down the stigma, right? Mm -hmm. The way we model our experience and our willingness to see it as an opportunity and not a weapon mm -hmm. is how we influence. It is how we get back in that inner circle. Mm -hmm. It is how we change the things we care about. So I do think, like, I know in my family, I have three kids. And a huge piece of my journey is just modeling to them what this experience was. And they yeah. may not like my choice. So far, all of them accept and hear and love me for my choice may change some point in their life mm -hmm. they might not always love it but I get to keep modeling that this is some this is a choice that I made and I can live an empowered life after yeah so whatever the grief is whatever the trauma is that's what we have control of right and what <laughs> I think you're speaking to too on a like a bigger level is post-traumatic growth yes totally exactly right yeah you know and we we all have that opportunity. We don't have to have had post-traumatic stress, we all, but we all have the opportunity to take something that we experienced as trauma, which is so incredibly subjective, right? Because what's traumatic to you may not be traumatic to me. Totally. But if we experience something as trauma, then we have the opportunity to use that as the springboard to become more of who we want to be. Yes. It's, it, it's not, is it, but it's not a moral obligation to do that. We don't have to. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. That is super duper important <laughs> it is, to say that again. It's, yeah, it's not, not a moral obligation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I have a lot of clients come to me and I wonder if you might too, who say, I have to make this mean something. Mm -hmm. I have to find purpose in this. Mm -hmm. And that is such an important conversation. Like you don't have to. Do you want I to? I really don't. Do you want to? There are, yeah, and don't get me started on grief theory, but. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, you know, there's, there's some people that teach that that is an important part of grief, that you have to find meaning. Mm. And, but, you know, what I think about just the overall, just idea, like grief theory is just like weight loss theory. Like there are so many different approaches Mm -hmm. Just because somebody uses the term theory doesn't mean it's the rule <laughs> of law, right? It's just this particular person has this particular approach. Mm -hmm. And we really want to become like discerning consumers of what works for me might not be what works for you. Can we just make our own choices? Yeah. Yeah. Like Coming if it works back for you to, to find meaning, great. If it doesn't work for you to find meaning, great. If the thought it was God's plan makes you feel amazing, great. If that is super, you know, offensive to you, it's okay. Like, let's just decide intentionally yeah. what works for us and let it be different than what yeah. works for someone else. Yeah. You just brought up another thing that I bet is similar in the grieving of our clients is like, how could this have been God's plan? Because I do have a lot of women who come to me with strongly mm. religious backgrounds, right? Like, how mm -hmm. could God have let me do this? How could, right? It's like, 
um, discerning and understanding that in your own brain and your mm-hmm. relationship with God and what it means to experience things in your life that are not ideal. Yeah. And how do I, what do I make that mean for myself? What do I make that mean in terms of my religion? Mm-hmm. Do you speak yeah. to that in your, in your clients? Like how could well, this have been God's plan? <laughs> so sort of, <clears throat> I don't really bring religion into my coaching. Yeah. I more meant, do they come to you with it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so my thought on that, if, if you, if you want to look at it through that lens is that, you know, we all have agency and agency is, is a part of God's plan yes thank you right (laughs) most people who believe in god believe that that god gave agency to the humans um you know and and we're doing all sorts of things with it so yes maybe we could say that that might not be a you know that's against a commandment or you know in in at a micro level that's against god's plan but at a macro level choice is part of god's plan yes while we're humans on the planet. Yes. Beautiful. So that's how I see it. Yeah. That's like the quote at a macro level, choice is a part of God's plan. Yeah. I am not religious. I don't know the commandments. I don't practice. I wasn't raised in a religion. My children aren't raised in a religion. Mm-hmm. It's very much not in my vocabulary or my like belief system. Yeah. But I do believe in something bigger, right? Mm-hmm. I do believe in something larger than me mm-hmm. and being human. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's a conversation that does come up. Um, and like I said, there, there's a fair amount of people who come to me and part of their guilt, part of their remorse, part of their regret is stemming from, from religious beliefs in mm-hmm. the past or, or in the current, in the present. Yeah. So... Yeah. I just, I mean, it's the second time you sort of brought up that like scanning way out to the big perspective, to the macro Mm -hmm. picture, to the, Mm -hmm. and I think the more that we can do that, the more relief we find. Yeah. Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I, I just did a podcast episode just because I'm exploring this idea of like letting everything be okay and everything not be okay at the same time. Mm, We will definitely link to that. Yeah, because because what I think yeah. we do ourselves a lot of favors when when we do we zoom out and we say okay you know pain is part of the human experience death is part of the human experience grief loss all of it right it's equally as a part of the human experience as all of the you know the the peaks are it's the valleys and the peaks and that's the human experience so even when we're we're in the most painful place we've ever been it is part of the human experience. It's like, we're not okay, but yet everything's okay. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. Well, it's been really fun. It's been really fun to talk about grief, Krista. <laughs> the I things we thought we would imagined. never say. I know. Would you have ever said, you know, grief is my oh jam. My be like, abortion is my jam. No, you know, this is not. Definitely not. Definitely no, but not. It, but it is it's such an important part of life. And I do think that that is part of what we get to do though, as coaches who've chosen to put ourselves out in the world in this very public way, 
um, we get to model that, that grief, we can still laugh. We can still have fun when we're talking about hard things. Yes, it's the and. It's hard yeah. and we can still yes. have fun. We can feel despair and we can yes. have joy. It's, it can all yeah. it can this all This was a tragedy and room. a gift. And, yeah, yeah. not yeah. either or. Yeah. I just got Beautiful. stuck there for a long time. Yeah. Like in my brain, when I discovered thought work, I was like, okay, so basically I have to think that this should have happened. I have to think that this was a gift. And I didn't realize, no, I can hold both. I can hold space for, I wouldn't have chosen this. I don't like that it happened. And in some ways I'm grateful. It can all be. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. Thank you for the work that you're doing, Amanda. Seriously. Thank you. It's important. What I I remember the first time I heard your niche, I got chills. I was like, oh my gosh, that work is valuable. Yeah. It's a journey. I mean, it is a weird conversation to have in the world especially right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but <laughs> and I know that's it. a thought. <laughs> people but it need is. It and- it's a, you know, it's, it's been slower than I thought to find my own voice, but I'm really feeling that happening and starting to understand. Like you said, with grief theory, there's a million grief theories in this, con- in this construct of grief, this emotion of grief. What is my voice in that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really just what this is about, is being willing to go say, like, I have a voice in this. I don't exactly know what it is, but here we go. Let's figure it out. And it's just really been a gift to, to yeah. find that and understand that. Who knows what's what? next for us? Let's go. <laughs> Whatever it is, let's, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it side by side. And together we rise, right? Love it. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Have a fabulous day. Many people will listen to this episode for many, many years to come. Amazing. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.